Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Allie Brown, host of Glambition Radio. And if you want to learn how to connect with world-class people, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I'm super excited to sit down with Ali Brown. Over the last 15 years, Ali has advised and helped nurture the businesses of many of the seven, eight-figure online thought leaders that you see thriving today, and her mentoring has even been spotlighted on CNN.com. Ali has been dubbed the entrepreneurial guru for women by Business News Daily and has taken her company to the Inc. 500 list rankings. She was named a Forbes Woman to Watch, one of EY's winning on women entrepreneurs and an entrepreneur delegate for the United Nations Foundation's Global Accelerator. Guys, this is going to be such an amazing conversation. It's not often that people in the knowledge broker world can jump onto the Inc. 500 list. And Ali is one of those unique individuals who has been able to crack that code. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with her today. And I'm sure it's going to be some really amazing things. But first, really quickly, if you are listening to this right now, you're a seven, eight-figure entrepreneur, and you know the benefit that a podcast could have for your business, the credibility, the authority, the conversations, everything that it would do for you and for your business and for your clients, but you just don't really know how to get it started or where to spend your time or what a media host is or any of those things. You don't have the time or the team or resources to dedicate to figure it all out. Then let me and my team build it for you. Head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. There's a quick application. 
I want to jump on a phone call to see if we'd be a good fit to build out a show for you so that you can focus on what you're good at, which is helping and servicing your clients. Then we can focus on what we're good at, which is building world-class podcasts. That's travischapelcom slash make my podcast. Allie, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Super happy to have you. It's great to be here. And I love the topic of this show, by the way. I mean, yes. it's going to be more important now with everything going on in the world, actually. I am super excited to get into that with you. Uh, but first, before we jump into some of those things that I'm really excited to jump into, let's build some context for the people who are listening right now who may not know who you are. Glowing, glowing introduction, glowing bio, done some amazing things in the world. So I'm curious to see how that all started. Take us back, Allie. Let's start. Yeah. 11, yeah. 12, 13 years old. Talk to me. Family life, school life. What are you up to? Oh, you want to go back. Like back, back. We're taking it way back. Um, yep. I think the important thing to relate about that time is now looking back, I should have transformed my restlessness into some type of entrepreneurial career. You know, if, <laughs> for those of you who remember, if you were just crazy in your teenage years and, you know, I know how to play the game. I made honor roll and I did, I knew how to do school, but like, man, I was just restless. And looking back now, you know, I wish I'd known how to start a business or put that into something creative. So I've always been driven by a bit of dissatisfaction. And I think it's hard sometimes for us to admit that, that I was always driven away from what I just didn't fit in, didn't feel right. And would try new things on. But how that worked for me in my twenties was admittedly having about eight different jobs and six years. And I was supposed to be the golden child of my family. I mean, I was the smart one and was going to go have this career. And I just felt really disillusioned. I remember mm. the last job I walked into and I was sitting there going like, okay, this can't be it. I kept thinking the job was going to solve. Right. Like that this, was the problem. This, yeah. Yeah. I kept thinking, well, maybe this kind of job, this kind of job. And finally, I realized like, I think I'm unemployable. And the last job that I loved was this little ad agency in New York. And I loved because it was crazy and the bosses were always gone. So we were kind of running the place and I got a taste of everything. I would work with, work with the client on the phone. If the designer wasn't there, I would jump on and design an ad and like call FedEx for pickup. And like, mm. it was old school, like ad and it was hustle all day. And I loved it, but I was getting paid crap. Right. Mm. And then um, my awareness shift when a freelancer was coming in and out. And I was like, what's freelancing? And this guy's like, oh, well, you could do this too. Because he's like, you write copy, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, a lot of these big agencies actually need this. And they don't have full-time staff. They hire part-time copywriters. And I loved writing. I always had. And I love psychology. And I love connection and communication. And so I, I literally went to the bookstore, picked up. It was a paperback. by It said how to make, I think it was how to make $100,000 a year as a freelance writer by Bob Bly. I remember the book. I remember walking around with it and people are like, oh, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. And a few weeks later, I tell you, I was so excited that I just quit wow. and didn't even tell my parents. I didn't tell anyone, but I just knew, I knew like I could make this work. Hmm. Knocked on doors, walked in agencies. I want to give some of you a tip. There was not internet like there was today. It was around, but it was like AOL. Remember yeah. this? Yeah. I, and I don't know how old you are, dude, but like there was a CD that you'd get and you'd put in the computer. You're like, no, no. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was this was so I'm I'm 27. So okay, uh, this yeah. was like, like were you uh, born was, then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this so, is the 90s. I do remember all of that. Like by the time I was an adult, obviously it had completely faded. Yeah, yeah. You were watching the Wiggles, right? This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with. Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So, um, like, <laughs> not, not quite, not quite. Blue okay. Clues was my jam. Blue Clues <laughs> was my jam. So, if that helps, yeah. But I'll tell you, I wouldn't change a thing because you know what I learned from that? How to talk to people how to walk in places that I didn't, no one knew who I was, yeah. how to literally be turned away, how to ask for referrals, how to start networking, right? Mm. And so many people today I see hiding behind a computer and social media can be a real crutch. And, and, and looking back, people are like, how are you so comfortable with people? And I'm like, I can talk to anybody because I had to, I had to. From there, I'll, I'll give the fast version of the rest of it really is when I got online, I just loved it. I started writing a newsletter and writing it for the clients I had, started getting clients then from referrals from the newsletter from like Adweek Digital, Dun & Bradstreet. I mean, like, like these corporate freelance gigs on writing copy. And then people started asking me, how are you doing this newsletter? And I literally bought an ebook on then how to create and sell ebooks and put it up. And these were the golden days, man. I'm telling you, like no one had seen this shit before. Right. They were like, oh my God, it's an ebook telling me how to do this. And then people wanted to know, how are you selling the ebook? So then I created a course on that. And it was just listening and implementing and listening and implementing. And that really has been a lot of the path I, I've been on was creating at that time, a lot of products for what people wanted. Made a big shift several years ago when I had twins and decided that, you know, having the larger company model wasn't for me, how I had built it, these big programs, I mean, huge mm -hmm. events. It was like, we did stuff before anyone was doing this stuff, selling the masterminds on stage. And sure. like, it was so fun at the time. And then it, the market became so saturated and social media changed everything as well because it yeah. leveled the playing field. It leveled yeah. the playing field. Like anyone could come in. And um, what I'd made, it was a big shift the last few years into working just with the clients that I want to work with, work about three days a week, and also launched a new network this year called The Trust. And it's for women entrepreneurs in particular who are in seven and eight figure ranges because they're actually an underserved market. I absolutely love that. So many things that we're going to dive in here, but I want to focus in on the timeline. Do you remember the year when you created your first ebook? Yeah, probably 2001. Or wow. Okay. So this yeah. is like, this is definitely like, 
the seeding <laughs> stages of online marketing. Oh, it was amazing. And I would order products from, um, okay, do you know who Dan Kennedy is? Do yeah. you know who he is? So I would order like physical products from Dan Kennedy and like devour them. It was such an exciting time. I discovered direct marketing. I did all this. By the way, I was the first woman in one of Dan Company's, uh, sorry, Dan Kennedy's masterminds with his partner, Bill Glazer. Wow. So. I mean, I was paving the road for all you girls listening, man. The stuff I put up <laughs> with, the jokes, and way before me too. <laughs> and um, it was around that timeline that it was it was such an exciting time to be on the forefront of all that happening and seeing yeah. what was about to happen in the world. If you're starting off in 2001, you're seeing, I'm assuming, versions of success that a lot of online marketers now would take years to get to just because of like what you said, it was just a lack of saturation, a lack of knowledge, lack of understanding, a higher barrier to entry. It was more difficult to do some of the things prior to social media and even things like like webinars and stuff that before, if you wanted to do that version, it was basically an infomercial that you had to spend tens of thousands of dollars to produce and buy ad space and buy mm-hmm. like time at, you know, between one o'clock and two o'clock AM for your program or whatever. You know what I mean? So back then, because of all those things, I'm sure it kind of exploded a little bit more and you started making some money. How, how did your business navigate the market crash of 2007, 2008? Back then, I think that was one of our best years ever, actually. I think there were so many, I was very, also, I don't want to say a little more unaware of what was going on in the world, but there was so much going on in this industry at that time. And there was so much money and it was so much fun that we were just like having these huge events. I mean, I was on stage selling like two and a half million dollars worth of coaching. It was unbelievable. Where I started having trouble though, was with my positioning because I was not making an effort to really look around and seeing everyone else come up beside me doing the same thing, right? And so there was a gap there where we realized that you were talking in the, in the beginning, thank you for noticing that, you know, when I came from that info marketing and coaching foundation, I really wanted to get out of that circle. At that moment on that stage, even that big event and with the big success and everything happening around us, I remember thinking, again, it was funny. I didn't think of this till now, but this is the same thought I had like in that last job. I'm like, is this it? Like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, this is fun, amazing. We're helping a ton of people. The clients are happy. Everyone's happy. That little restlessness kind of percolated up again. I'm like, well, what's the next chapter? The starting point to that was actually, I desperately want a new network. And I remember just going to these conferences and it was the same people and the same conversations. Yeah. So it's those awards that I won, yeah, those awards that I won, people are like, how'd you get those? I'm like, there's this thing called Google. And I literally entered like women's business awards and I looked at them all and I applied them for them all. And I didn't wait for someone to recognize me. I said, you know what? I've proven myself. I've got what it takes. Let's see if they'll let me in these places, you know? Yeah. And doors started to open and my network started to shift. And then that shifted the type of clients I wanted to work with. And it started to shift also how I even help my clients and making connections for them. That was a real pivot for me. And then getting clear on, you know, who I wanted to be around, where I was going, who I wanted to work with. And that's hard sometimes when you're transitioning from a mass market audience. One thing that I really want to acknowledge you for is understanding that your level of income wasn't necessarily matching up with the idea that you had on how you wanted to live your life. I think that sometimes 
people don't spend any time thinking about the second thing. They think just about the money portion. And to be honest, a lot of people probably should think about the money portion first. And (laughs) some of you listening should put that first. Yeah, Yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Let's be clear. (laughs) Like it is important. Yeah. And and it gives you the luxury to be able to decide what kind of life that you want to live and the freedom to live that life where not having the money obviously doesn't. But a lot of people just kind of get stuck in the hamster wheel of just continuing to make more money without even thinking about, is this even what I want to do anymore? Yeah. Do I even like the people that I'm hanging out with? Do I even, right. like, are these even my people, you know? And uh, so for you to be able to acknowledge that in the midst of the success and not after a crash, because a lot of times that's what happens, right? Is like people have astronomical success, they're enjoying it, and then something really detrimental happens and they crash and they lose it all. And then they yeah. have a realization that it wasn't about any of that stuff. They want to live their life for X, Y, and Z. But yeah. you're able to recognize that in the midst of everything. Is there something that you do or something that you'd recommend other people do to gain moments of clarity like that in their life? We talk about this all the time with my clients. If you could go back, would you have known or what would you tell people? And I, I just think you still have to go there. And the great thing that we forget right now in this day and age is how quickly we can shift things, how quickly we can pivot, how quickly we can change a brand, who we work with, who we want to be around. I believe it's impossible to gain a perspective until you're truly there. So when I'm speaking in a room, I'll demonstrate this. I'll say, you know what? Here's my goal. I'm walking to this corner and I walk over the corner and I turn around. I'm like, what do I have now? They're like a whole new perspective. I'm like, yeah, I couldn't have that from here. I really had to get there. Because really, when you look at the journey in the end about all this, it is not, we're all going to make money, help people, all that is who you are becoming in the process. Yes. And you can't take that away. And so when people go back and say, was there, is there anything you would change? Gosh, there's things I wish I didn't happen. Maybe there's some people I wish I hadn't done deals with, you know, when you're not trusting yourself, everyone's got these in their timeline. But if that would change who I am now... I don't think I would change a thing. That is the one of the most epic realizations I think that you can have in life is that everything happens for you, even if at the time you don't really understand how, if you take it that way and try to find the good in that situation, whatever it might be, instead of being the victim all the time. And yeah. I, think that, I think that you can really make some amazing things happen. So I want to talk with you a little bit, Ali, about relationship building and, and connections and networking. Obviously, that was something that was big in your life and got you to the point where, where you are today with you know, people like Dan Kennedy and other mentors and things that you've had in your life. Um, this is the question that I ask everybody to kind of get this conversation moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important and why? It depends on the context. And it depends on your situations, but I, I believe as the further you ascend up your ladder of success, that is absolutely true. Absolutely true. And it'll always be helpful. It's true you. that who you know is, is more important? Yes. Just yeah. to clarify. Yeah. If you had to make me choose, like you got to choose one. Yeah. I, I would say the who, because you even see very bizarrely unqualified people being very successful <laughs> because of who they know. I mean, there's proof, right? There's proof sure. right there. If you're looking for a metric of success, you know, if you're looking as far as like being successful in that way, I would say, yeah, if you had to lean me one way or the other. That's one of the points that I always bring up to people is like, look, there is somebody out there right now doing the same thing that you do, not as well as you do it, but they're getting paid more and getting more opportunities put in front of them. And they're more well-known and more successful because of the people that they know. It's Mm -hmm. not just what you know, and it, except for extreme examples, right? If you take a Mark Zuckerberg, like he wasn't well networked 
which is what made him successful. Like he knew his stuff and created an amazing product. Like that was a what you know situation that enabled him to connect with literally whoever he wants to connect with in the entire world. You know what I mean? So that's those one-offs, you know, that what can really astronomically raise your who. But for the majority of people, if you want a duplicatable process, it's going to be the who you know. As long as you're a competent worker and you're a learner and you can adapt and adjust and make yourself better and improve, then getting around those right people, I think, is always going to be that priority. As you also reach higher levels of revenue, as you, you're just going to find your circle needs to change. There's going to be a moment that you, you were like, why did I come to this thing? Or I love these people. They're dear friends, but I can't have these conversations anymore. Yeah. And don't feel guilty. A lot of women especially feel guilty around that. You know, we build dear friendships and we love these gals, but they're just at a different level than where we need to be. We need to be around people where, you know, there's the classic, I'm sure you talk about all the time is the Jim Rohn quote, you're the average of the five people that you're around the most. Mm-hmm. I remember I first read that at that last job. Someone, I saw that somewhere and uh, I was like, gosh, I, I like these people I work with, but they just want to go to the bar after work yeah. and talk about what's on TV. And I'm thinking, am I weird? Like that I want to go home and read books mm-hmm. and learn and and that I, I knew I had to keep shifting. I had to keep shifting who I was around. Yeah, that's so true. I'm kind of on the same page with you on that, Ali, where I don't ever tell people to, you know, there's some people that are like, cut them off, cut them off. Like, you know, get rid of them. You know, I'm like, whoa, chill, chill. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're still my buddy that I've known since I was like three years old. I'm not going to abandon them in my life because we have different goals. Like, that's not how right. it works either. But... At the same time, I do need to make sure that I am on purpose seeking other relationships with people who are going to sharpen me and help me reach those goals. Yes. And and a lot of times when that happens, like the people that are in your life that are negative influences that aren't those people that you've known since you were three, that aren't your like brothers and sisters type friends, they're probably just going to kind of weed themselves out of your life anyway, to be honest, because you're not headed in the same direction when they want to go out with the, you know, and and drink every weekend and you're trying to go, you know, to this event or do this program or read this book or work on this webinar, whatever it is. That's obviously like the more you say no to a couple of times of hanging out, they're going to stop asking as often. They might just eventually kind of do it themselves where you're not the person that's like breaking off a relationship on purpose because you're like headed in a new direction or whatever. You're just focused on the things that you're, that you're focused on. So true. And, and I'm going to make a note on the, a difference between men and women that yeah, I believe you've probably observed, but you're not able to say, right? So you currently have like no power. I'm so sorry. For, I actually feel sorry for white males lately. You're like at the bottom of the list, dude. Like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> With all the movements going on, you were just, anyway. So what's interesting, and this was backed up by a study that, you know, women do love to network, but we tend to network more laterally in groups that are like supportive of each other. We're great at supporting each other. We'll rally around each other. We'll go to the same group and be in the same, you know, kind of pod with these business owners for, you know, years. And there is an absolute networking gap for a lot of the women as they start going up to higher levels, they realize, gosh, I can't be going to these events where I'm, this woman again is saying, gosh, I'm so desperate. How do I get clients? And mm-hmm. I mean, you'll start just knowing ladies and, and you can still, you know, bless them, you know, send good energy to them. But really you have to seek out strategically these other connections and people. And it's one of the reasons that I decided to start the trust because for women, especially there are huge gaps. There's some organizations for women doing seven, eight figures and beyond, but you know, there was just something missing still for the women that I was working with and trying to connect them with a lot of the women in my networks. It's actually, and there's all kinds of 
groups and that, because none have been great at this too, starting these groups and staying together and going places and bringing in new people and, and reaching higher. But the women need to be more strategic about it. What are a couple of ways do you think that you could be more strategic about it? Well, it's interesting because when I'm working with the clients sometimes, it's as simple as them saying like, gosh, I really would like to work with these types of clients, right? They're trying to like, especially find like higher net worth clients, higher people. And so literally it could be as simple as a conversation and having them think through where are they now? How can you reach them through other ways, other centers of influence who reach these people? Are there people that you may be surprised that you can connect with on social, but social is not everything, like really getting strategic on, on how you reach them. And I will say, people think that it gets harder the further up you get, but you may find some of these people more accessible than you realize. You may have had the same experience yeah. because people aren't trying to reach out. They may not even think that they're reachable. So right. the last tip on that is go beyond email. And this sounds so dumbly obvious, but I want to say like no one calls each other anymore, sends things in the mail. And something that I do after we're really trying to get a guest on one of my shows, by the way, I have a show called Glambition Radio, which unfortunately we don't have white males on. It's women. Sorry. But <laughs> <laughs> or any color mail. So right. I'm, I'm, like, I'm thinking, oh, I'd love to have you on, but we'll do we'll do a different type of show for you yeah. or something. When I get a guest that we know was really, you know, they went out of their way to be on the show. You know those that like you had to work a bit. You had to like ask around, really get them on. For sure. I send a handwritten card with often a gift card. And so, you know, for example, Ellen Latham, who co-founded Orange Theory, it's a billion dollar company. I'm yeah. thinking she's not only a dream guest, but I want her to be one of our guest advisors at one of my events and like talk to these women. The first step was having her on the show and convincing her to be on the show. She was on the show. I sent a handwritten note with a, you wouldn't get this, maybe a Sephora gift card. Every woman loves getting a Sephora gift card. We love I, shopping I love getting Sephora. Sephora gift cards because my wife oh, uses them. Oh, are you them. in? Okay. <laughs> I was saying your skin looks good though. Are you into yeah. self-care? Okay. Yeah. You look um, good. You look good. Well, thank you. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's totally natural. You know, I just uh, let the sun do its job and uh, fries my skin and I'm going to probably look like I'm 60 when I'm 40, but you know. You'll, uh, you'll start doing your 40s. Men start using skincare. So what's amazing, I send this thing and I don't know if I'll ever hear from her again, right? I'm like, this woman has gazillions of dollars. Does she need it? It was like a $30 Sephora gift card. Yeah. And she wrote me a direct email saying thank you. Wow. So not only now are we in direct communication, which we weren't before, but she just said, thank you. It's just so nice to get something like that. Started a dialogue. And then now I, you know, I brought her in for one of my events and we've developed this great relationship. Little things like that, that you may not even think of could go a long way. And I just want to point something out here because I am a podcaster and a podcast producer, and I'm in that space. We're building a software company for a lot of this uh, space as well. I just want to point out that that whole relationship started with a podcast interview. This is one of the things that I try to convince people about all the time, Ali, because everybody is so one-track minded. They think they know the answer right off the bat. So it's like, have you thought about starting a podcast? Well, no. Well, why is that? Because you know, I don't want to have, I don't have to worry about getting a million downloads and like you can't make money off it unless you get sponsors and like you got to have so many downloads to be able to get sponsors. And it's just like, well, what if that was just the cherry on top? What if like you didn't care about who listened to you and you only cared about the business development that you get to do by talking to people on your show and having conversations totally. just like the one you and I are having right now, Ali. Like totally. we would not know each other at all if this show didn't exist. It wouldn't give me the yeah. excuse to take 45 minutes on a random Wednesday to sit down and have a conversation with somebody who's doing amazing things in the world and connect the two of us, which then will allow us to be able to build a more trusting relationship, which then would allow us to potentially end up doing some sort of business totally. together in the future. Like there's so many things that come 
and it all the catalyst to that entire interaction that you just mentioned was a podcast interview. I had no idea when I started my podcast, I had no idea what a great connection and networking tool it would be. I mean, by far. And I was doing it just because I love having conversations with these people, but you feel very close afterwards. You get to know each other really well. And it's a great way to see like, oh, maybe we should keep in touch or it opens up a lot of doors. Or maybe we shouldn't keep in touch. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you're like, okay, and and that's a wrap. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Don't email me. Yeah, I've had those those as well. (laughs) Hope uh, you don't have my personal information. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But yeah, I I did want to take a second and point that out because I, I feel like I'm such a proponent of the industry. And I think just people, like I said, people think so one track minded about it. It's just like, look, this is one of the most amazing benefits. Like just the networking and business development aspect of having a show makes all of the work worth it. Like 100%, especially if you're not doing any of the production work and you're outsourcing that, which you should be anyway. So, but yeah, I just wanted wanted to touch on that really quickly. So as we kind of wind down here, Ali, I want to talk a little bit about some of the growth strategies that you implemented with, uh, with the business. To be able to hit Inc. 500 with that type of a business model is is no small feat. And it's not something that a lot of people ever can say that they did. So have a couple of growth strategies, especially keeping in mind the current state of the world and uh, maybe people's somewhat aversion to purchasing, or maybe that's just in people's heads. Like, can you give us just a couple of things off the top of your head there? Yeah. Like, what do you say about 2020? I mean, people are like, how do I handle this year? I'm like, I really don't know. It's a giant dumpster. It's never happened before. Um, That is one that 2020. So I'll tell you what people are craving now with them seeing high touch, which is, sounds contradictory right now because of everything, you know, everything's going digital, everything's going AI. I just pulled my kids out of school, by the way, because there's schools trying to put them on iPads now for like seven hours a day. There's seven. No, sorry. Pulling them out. We're going to homeschool them now on our own. Everything's going that direction, right? It's a whole other show, by the way. We should go down the rabbit hole. So when you're looking at the, where everything's going, where can you offer things that people aren't getting? So I always tell people like, look for, if it's your jam, it's not everybody's, but look for ways that you can work with people more closely, work in small groups, have them here. Podcasts are great conversations because you go deep. People feel like they know you. Longer form media like this, ways to spend time with clients, give that high touch service when you can. That's going to be more coveted than anything because you are not personally information. And if there's a way for you or give them the feeling that, that you are at least working with them in that capacity. Inc. 500, I have to say it was two things at that time. I'm going to share. Some people say there's no such thing as the right place at the right time or luck, but there absolutely was. It was the payoff for all those years though of me being ahead of the curve, trying new things, trying risks. And then there's going to be those few years that you are like at the top of the map and everyone's like, how'd she get here? And does she deserve to be here? And who is this? They didn't see the 10 years. Right. The 10 years to overnight success. Yeah. 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 So people, I know when I, that Inc. 500 for me was so exciting because it really, um, I knew it instantly distanced me from everyone else because I was starting to feel that craziness. By the way, those awards are looking for a few years of tremendous growth. So if you have a window, I think it's like three years of a really great growth. You're in the at least multiple seven figures. You have a shot and you'll at least be on the Inc. 5000 likely. And it's a great thing for you to apply for, but they're looking for that growth. And a few things we did that leveraged at the time, you have to remember these, this was revenue revolutionary. This is going to sound so simple right now, but I went from coaching like small groups to then still running that, raising the price and then doing more mass market programs, products. You know, we were doing live stream launches where you had back then you had to hire a crew of people to come to your house. They were running wires like in and out of the doorway. Now you can do it from your phone. 
right. incredible. So we were always doing things ahead of the curve in our industry. And I think the biggest mistake you can make if you're looking for growth is looking at what everyone else in your industry is doing. Mm. You have to be an iconoclast. You have to really break out. When you're getting started, look at the models, learn from them, get started that way. But right. then there's going to be a place you'll see, where can I take this that no one else is taking it? What can I do in a different way? Or I'm going to totally make the sharp right turn, as we call it, and like go over here. Right. And it's a totally different lane. And everyone's going to come over here and do this with me. So, you know, learn from the models, but then breaking out and doing your own thing is where the leaps happen. Yeah, that innovation tipping point where you then have the ability to start creating your own market rather than just taking a little bit of share of a market that already exists. Sure. And one thing I wanted to point out about that luck and timing thing too, and a lot of people deny that it exists and a lot of people chalk it all up to luck. In reality, it's the majority of the time a combination of both of those things. It's luck, it's a little bit of timing, but it's mixed in with, like you said, 10 years of dedication, hard work, struggle, risk that people weren't willing to take, investments that people weren't willing to do, like all of these things that happened over the course of a long period of time. And then you're doing the thing that eventually you get a little bit of luck and you get a little bit of timing and you mix it in and kind of creates that perfect storm. And the thing that I want to point out about that is like, if luck and timing is a part of success, especially a part of huge success, which is inarguable. And even billionaires in the world will tell you that luck and timing is part of being successful, I think. So if you look at it from that perspective, then really your goal should just be to be always working until you hit that luck or timing because the more times you do it, the more likely you are to be able to hit something at the right time and have a little bit of luck sprinkled in, right? Like that. I agree. If you, if you only ever try the one thing, then the odds of that one thing being the thing that allows you to get a little bit lucky and have the right timing, it's probably not that great. And just that's why yeah. there's so many failures in Silicon Valley, you know what I mean, that, that we never even hear about that started up and then immediately shut down. It's only the cream of the crop that are the ones that we hear about all the time that hit, that got that luck, got that little bit of timing. Mm -hmm. But that might've been their sixth startup. That might've been their like fifth or sixth or 10th or 15th time having a go at it. And they get a little bit more successful every time. They get a little bit more knowledgeable every time. They learn a couple of other things. They get a couple of new connections and then eventually creates this perfect storm of like, I got the right connections. I got the right knowledge. I got the right bank account. I've got some money in there. I got some investors. I have some relationships. And the timing of the market is perfect. And you mix all that together with sprinkling a little bit of luck. And then that's when you have that explosive growth. But it doesn't just happen because you're getting lucky. It happens because yeah. you've engineered luck. That's kind of something that I, that I really wanted to touch on there. Before. And then just one quick note on that. Is, I mean, this is when this is when you've got to love what you're doing. You've mm -hmm. got to love it. And if you're in a lane where some people are good at starting businesses, they're kind of separate from, they're like, here's a good business idea. I'm going to you know work this, but my passion's right. over here. I want to note that especially women and the women I work with, our purpose and mission is very important often to the businesses that we're launching. Yeah. And so when you're like so ingrained in that, that really helps you get through those days where most people would be like, this isn't worth it, you know? Mm. And I remember having those moments like, oh, this is where everyone else stops and I'm going to keep going. Yeah, right. And, and that's I, the yeah. most important thing. Absolutely love that. And to your point, even what you said, like the people who like to build businesses and random things, like their thing is building businesses. They're not passionate about that industry or that niche, but like they just love Good building point. businesses. They just like, yeah. that's what keeps them doing it. You know what I mean? You, you got mm -hmm. to find that thing 100%. I, I couldn't agree more with you and I've really, really enjoyed this conversation and we should definitely have have a part two to this at some point, especially maybe in person after this uh, COVID stuff is all done with. But yeah. I do want to move on here to the last segment. Some like to call the random round. Just a few quick random questions, quick random answers. Ready? I think so. Okay. I forgot about this. Yes. All right. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> what? 
profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt? I want to own a med spa because I want access to all the lasers. If you could sit <laughs> on a park bench with someone, past or present, and chat for an hour, who would it be? Leonardo da Vinci. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? I like to read because then I'm not force-fed. What is a book that you'd recommend to everybody? One that changed my career and unlocked really my realizing that it was okay to want more was called The Big Leap by Gay Hender. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. <laughs> do you swear on this show? Go for it. <laughs> The morning shit show. <laughs> I do everything you're not supposed to do. You know, like you wake up, check your email, like, you know, especially with the I kids mean, in the house 20, right now. So. <laughs> yeah. It's just, they, they could be jumping in bed with me and I can't get up because we're having a cuddle party or, you know, on a good day, I wake up, go work out, you know, set my priorities and have a healthy breakfast. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's like one day a week, maybe. But that's honestly why I love asking that question, to be honest with you, because we do get some of those that are like super structured and follow everything to a detail, which I think is awesome. I but used to be. We, we get a lot of people who, like yourself, are extremely successful and just like, just this is kind of how I do it. Just kind of wake up and go throughout the day. But that's why yeah. I, like, I like asking that question because it brings so many perspectives. I feel like a lot of people think that that's going to be the thing that makes them successful. And I, and I just I like to shed light on the fact that like that's like not the thing i like, think you got to also take action and do some other things besides just, yeah don't go take a course on that or pay for yeah, that like yeah, it's besides not, like it's meditating and taking your cold bath you should probably like maybe do some work i don't know, <laughs> you know I mean? so, you're gonna get hate mail now because someone's like i teach a course on how to start your morning <laughs> <laughs> you just debunked my whole true. philosophy <laughs> what is your go-to pump-up song I saw this, you, you hinted about this. And I, I've always used at my events, there's a song by Madonna called Jump. And it's like a really pump up, like about risk taking and like living your life. And so that's one I pull out occasionally. What is something that you are just not very good at? Patience. So we'll, we will see that the homeschool model, we will see how patience is. When I relax and like kind of go with the flow, that's when magic happens. And as we get everything wrapped up here, Ali, what is one place online where people can find you the most? I love Instagram right now because it's generally happier. Love it. And your handle over there? Allie Brown Official. At Allie Brown Official. Allie is A-L-I. So at Allie Brown Official over on Instagram. Be sure to go check out some of the stuff that Allie's putting out over there. Reach out, connect, send a DM, say what's up, tell her you heard about her here on Build Your Network. And if you're listening, go ahead and take a screenshot of this episode, upload it to your Instagram story, tag at Allie Brown Official and tag me at Travis Chapel. We go over there and say, what's up, Allie? Thank you so much for coming on the show. I had a blast chatting with you. This was great. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode. If you want to connect with me and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join my free Facebook group, The Lounge. I'll see you over there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.